Greetings and welcome to another episode of From John to Justin. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. First, on every single tier, you get completely ad-free episodes. And you get a say in what topics I cover on my podcasts. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. On that note, if you want to donate... If you donate $5, you get a thank you at the start of the next episode of Canadian History X, Canada's Great War, and from John to Justin, and on social media. If you donate $10, you get everything from the $5, plus this episode is sponsored by you with your name at the start. It's also stated it's sponsored by you on social media. If you donate $20, you get everything from the $5 and $10, plus a second episode sponsored by you and promotion of something you're working on. And if you donate $50, you get everything from the $5, $10, and $20, plus you get to choose a topic for me to cover on Canadian History X. You can also donate at buymeacupofcoffee slash craigu, and all of these links will be in my show notes. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter, my handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram and TikTok where I put up daily videos about Canada's history. Just go to Bairdo37. And if you like, you can find weekly videos about Canada's history on my YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash c slash CanadianHistoryX. You can also find transcripts of every episode I've ever done on my website. Just go to CanadaEHX.com. And on that note, I have to say welcome to my newest patron, Tom McMillan. Thanks, Tom. I truly appreciate you joining on as a patron. And before we continue, I want to mention that I have a new podcast out there called Canada, A Yearly Journey. In it, I'm looking at every single year in Canada's history from 1867 all the way up to today. This week, I released 1868, and I really like this podcast. I think you'll really enjoy it as well, so if you want, you can subscribe. It's on all podcast platforms, and again, that's Canada, a yearly journey. Well, we've reached the point where the line of British aristocrats and military leaders who served as Governor General ends. And now we begin the Canadian Governors General. From this point on, every single Governors General was a Canadian citizen. It all begins with a man who came from one of the most distinguished families in all of Canada, who had a highly well-known diplomatic career before he ever took the mantle of Governor General, Vincent Massey. Massey was born on February 20, 1887 in Toronto to one of the wealthiest families in Canada. His father, Chester, was the grandson of Hart Massey, who created a farm implement company called Massey Harris that would eventually become one of the largest companies in Canada. The family itself came from Cheshire, England in 1630 and settled in North America, eventually finding their way up into Canada in 1802. Vincent Massey's brother Raymond would also make a name for himself becoming a celebrated actor who picked up an Academy Award nomination for his title role in Lincoln in Illinois. He would then gain widespread fame as Dr. Gillespie on Dr. Kildare from 1961 to 1965. Raymond would say of his brother, quote, I feel a definite sense of hero worship for him, end quote. As for Vincent Massey, he would attend St. Andrew's College and then go on to the University of Toronto and then Oxford, earning a Master's of Arts in History. It was his time at Oxford that he would develop an appreciation for British traditions, and he became known for his London-tailored clothes throughout his life. 
1907, he would enlist with the Queen's Own Rifles of Canada as a militiaman. That same year, he joined the Kappa Alpha Society and met future Prime Minister and lifelong frenemy, we'll say, William Lyon Mackenzie King. Maclean's would write two decades later, quote, As a youth, he was wise beyond his years and found constant joy and profit in studying the thoughts and actions of the past, end quote. One year after graduating from the university, Massey donated $16,290 to the Students' Fund so they could build a student center for extracurricular activities. From 1913 to 1915, Massey would lecture at Victoria College, and then he became an officer for the Military District No. 12 in Regina. And while Massey did not serve overseas during the First World War, he would work for the Officer Training Corps. The same year that he left Victoria College, 1915, he would marry Alice Parkin, and the couple would have two children, Lionel and Hart. Through the marriage, Massey became the uncle of George Grant, a noted philosopher, and the great-uncle of Michael Ignatieff, the future leader of the Liberal Party of Canada. In 1918, Massey would establish the Massey Foundation with his family, which became the first art trust of its kind in Canada, funding new artistic and architectural projects. In 1921, Massey made the decision to work with the family business, and he became the president of Massey Harris Company, serving until 1925. The reason he left the company was because Prime Minister William Lyne Mackenzie King appointed him as a minister without a portfolio in Parliament. King didn't come to the decision lightly, though, and he wrote in his diary that MP Charles Stewart stated that it was unwise to appoint Massey to the position. As for Massey, he would not accept right away. On September 8, 1925, King wrote, quote, I talked with Vincent Massey about coming in without portfolio. I could not get Massey to promise he would come in. Indeed, he was inclined to decline, but he is to think matters over and speak to me again. End quote. Massey would accept and prepare for the election, and he would say a month before the election, quote, I believe this election to be one of the most crucial in the history of Canada. Crucial because the very unity of the country is at stake. End quote. Ironically, he was right, because this election would lead to the King-Bing affair, which would cause a very big change in the Governor-General's role. But that's a story for another podcast. When the 1925 election came along, Massey failed to win a seat, losing by 650 votes, although some sources say it was 946 votes, but it did cost him $16,000 in his campaign. That was no small amount, equivalent to $270,000 today. At this point, his political career ended, and his diplomatic career began. He would be appointed by King as the first ever envoy for Canada with full diplomatic credentials to a foreign capital when he became Canada's first minister to the United States. In 1926, he would be part of the Canadian delegation to the Imperial Conference where the influential Balfour Declaration was drafted that would lead to a huge constitutional change in Canada related to the role of Governors-General and the Monarch. Massey would serve in this role until 1930 when the Liberals lost the federal election to the Conservatives. New Prime Minister R.B. Bennett did not want Massey to continue as the government's representative because he was a Liberal and did not have the confidence of the Conservative government. In 1933, Massey would become the president of the National Federation of Liberal Associations. Maclean's would write that year, quote, in this capacity, he is regarded by imaginative persons as somewhat of a sinister figure who plans presently to depose Mackenzie King, the Gatineau nature lover. 
He is, however, quite content to let Mr. King be Prime Minister again, and has absolutely no personal ambition in his personal endeavours as long as he becomes the next High Commissioner for Canada in London." When John Buchan became Governor-General in 1935, Massey attended a private dinner with him where he attempted to carve a turkey. This odd event is described as such, quote, Vincent is not the best of carvers, and when the turkey slipped to the floor, platter and all, Vincent removed his coat, hung it neatly over his chair, and continued to carve the turkey on the floor, asking his guests whether they preferred the white or the dark, end quote. After King returned to the role of Prime Minister in 1935, Massey was tapped to become the High Commissioner to Britain. He would hold this position until 1946 and was highly successful at it. During that election, Massey also served as the campaign manager for King, helping to portray King as a steady and experienced leader to offset the lack of charisma of King and his poor speaking ability in public. Now you might be wondering, why did I say they were frenemies? Because they seem to be doing a lot of things together. Well, we're getting to that. So while the two were friends, Massey felt he would make a better Prime Minister than King, who he felt had muddled politics. Massey also believed that Canada was a British nation, and the essence to being a Canadian was to adopt British traditions while abandoning French ones. Many felt that Massey had an air of snobbery, and King would appoint him to Britain feeling that it was the best place for him. Lord Cranbourne would say of Massey, quote, Fine chap, Vincent, but he does make one feel a bit like a savage, end quote. In his role as High Commissioner, Massey would represent Canada at the League of Nations and serve as a trustee of the National Gallery. Arriving at Canada House in London, his secretary would be a man named George Vanier, and Vanier would of course become the successor to Massey as Governor-General of Canada. Massey's first year as the High Commissioner was not an easy one. He would have to deal with the death of King George V and the ascension and abdication of King Edward VIII and the ascension of King George VI. The abdication crisis would result in Massey developing a lifelong dislike for a British politician, who he called his least favourite British politician, Winston Churchill. Massey did not feel that King Edward VIII should keep his throne if he were to marry an American woman who was twice divorced. Massey felt Britain was the ideal every country should strive for, and that view resulted in him wanting King Edward VIII to abdicate. Churchill, in contrast, felt that the king should be able to keep his throne and marry Wallace Simpson. Massey would state that Churchill was a reckless adventurer who was exploiting the crisis for political gain. Massey's time as High Commissioner also coincided with the rise of Nazi Germany. Influenced by his friend Lord Lothian, Massey had favourable views of Nazi Germany, believing the Treaty of Versailles was too harsh. Massey was also very much in favour of appeasement and supported the Munich Agreement. He also worked with elected and non-elected individuals in the Canadian government to make it more difficult for Jewish refugees fleeing Europe to come to Canada, or to even use Canada as a stopover en route to another country. As a result of this, 70 years later, a high school in Windsor would rename itself from Vincent Massey High School. In 1939, as the world was on the brink of war, Massey would help to arrange the royal visit of King George VI and Queen Elizabeth to Canada from June to July 1939. He had been planning the visit since 1937, and worked very closely with Lord Tweedsmere to prepare for the visit. After the visit, Massey would state, quote, 
The royal visit to Canada was an event so happy in its conception, so gloriously successful in its achievement, and so fragrant in its memory, that any comment seems inadequate. End quote. I actually did an episode on the royal tour, so go check it out on Canadian History X. Remember, that's EHX. This evening, we send our greetings to those Canadians, wherever they may be, who are celebrating Dominion Day. As in past years, the High Commissioner for Canada, the Honourable Vincent Mercy, came to Broadcasting House to send a special message to his fellow countrymen. For the fourth time, I have the pleasure of broadcasting a message to Canada from London on the occasion of Dominion Day. A few words from the Canadian High Commissioner at this time have become almost a ritual. In fact, they have been part of the observances ever since transatlantic broadcasting was possible. I fear such a message has not much entertainment value for the listener. But I do count it a great privilege to be asked each year to send Canadians everywhere in the Dominion the good wishes of all our fellow countrymen here in Great Britain. I had hoped uh, during the 12 months which have passed since last Dominion Day to have been able to come back to Canada myself and pay my annual visit. But in a year of recurring crises and sustained international tension, it has been impossible to leave my post and go so far. I'm afraid that we cannot yet see very much blue sky on the international horizon. Those of us who have been in this country during the last year or so have become accustomed to the steady nationwide preparations for defense. In the parks of London, anti-aircraft batteries now are stationed permanently to enable the crews to do their training. The same is true of the units of the Royal Air Force, which are in charge of the great balloon barrage. They too are to be seen. Ever since last September, individuals and institutions alike have been making inevitable plans against the great emergency, which we profoundly hope and pray will never occur. Air raid shelters, large and small, are evidence of this widespread preparedness. Everybody's life, in fact, seems nowadays to be divided almost into two parts. On the one hand, the conduct of the normal job, and on the other, those plans which must be made to meet emergency conditions. Whether this means the adjustment of the job to a wartime basis, or military service itself, or full-time work in civil defense. A future war, as we know, would be everybody's war. As war approached, Massey became more accepting of Britain going to war rather than pursuing appeasement. Massey, who once again was deeply Anglophone, wanted Canada to do as much as possible to help Britain. Prime Minister King had been reluctant to take Canada to war, and he wanted to minimize Canada's role in the war in order to avoid the conscription crisis of 1917 in this new war. It would come to the point where King told the British government that Massey did not speak for Canada, leaving many to wonder what Massey's role in England was exactly. Massey would play a major role, though, in the creation of the Commonwealth Air Training Plan, something he considered to be one of his greatest achievements. At one point, Massey wrote King on an urgent matter and asked for a quick reply. 
A week later, he still had no reply, but he spoke with a woman who had just received a 14-page handwritten letter from King discussing trivial matters. The incident did not endear King any further to Massey, and the friendship would become even more strained. By 1943, King suddenly did an about-face on Canada being involved in the war. Instead of being opposed to the Canadian Army actually fighting in the war, he worried the war may end without Canada winning any victories, which he felt would ruin his political career. This would lead to a greater involvement in the war with troops from Canada, including the invasion of Sicily, Dieppe, D-Day, and the liberation of the Netherlands. For his work as High Commissioner, King George made Massey a Companion of Honour in 1946. This title is limited to only the monarch and 65 other living individuals. Returning to Canada in 1947, Massey served as the Chancellor of the University of Toronto from 1947 to 1953, the Chairman of the National Gallery of Canada from 1948 to 1952, and as the Chair of the Royal Commission on National Development in the Arts, Letters and Sciences in 1949. The Commission would be highly influential and would hold 114 public hearings around Canada where it recommended the formation of the Canada Council. It would also lay the groundwork for the National Library of Canada. Sadly, there would be pain during this time for Massey as his wife Alice died in 1950. In 1951, Maclean's wrote a profile of the Massey family. Of Vincent Massey, the magazine wrote, quote, Vincent Massey, a lean, ascetic figure with the hands of a concert pianist, the head of the Massey dynasty, he is also its product. End quote. Then, on February 1st, 1952, Massey was selected to become the first Canadian born Governor General of Canada. London, and from Buckingham Palace, has announced the appointment of the Right Honourable Vincent Massey as Governor General of Canada in succession to Field Marshal Viscount Alexander. High Commissioner for Canada in London for the second time during those eventful war years, Mr. Massey is the brother of actor Raymond Massey. All Canadians will welcome this appointment of the first Canadian to be appointed Governor-General of their great dominion. The selection of a Canadian as Governor-General was met with controversy by some in Canada who criticised it as severing ties with Britain, also the fact that Massey was a commoner. As a widower, he was also the first unmarried person to occupy the position of Governor-General. Only five days after Massey was announced as the new Governor-General, King George VI would die, and Massey became the first representative of Queen Elizabeth II. Since then, every Governor-General has only represented Queen Elizabeth II. For Massey, he looked at John Buchan, a commoner who became Lord Tweedsmuir so he could serve as Governor-General, for inspiration in his role. Massey was both a friend and admirer of Buchan, and he would state he learned a lot from him. On February 28, 1952, Massey was sworn in as Governor-General. The same day he was sworn in, Parliament was opened, marking the first time that both events happened on the same day. The event was described by the Calgary Herald, quote, Amid scenes of muted splendor with black a prevailing note among onlookers, Right Honourable Vincent Massey, first Canadian to become Governor-General of Canada, read the speech today, opening the new session of Parliament. With the minds of all dwelling upon the death of King George, the new Governor-General opened with a tribute to His Last Majesty's memory and an expression of the great love in which he is held by Canadians. End quote. Massey would say in his speech in the House of Commons, highlighting the fact that the Cold War was beginning with an air of concern for communism. He stated, quote, 
The situation throughout the world continues to cause concern and to require my ministers to devote a great deal of attention to our external affairs. The government remains convinced that the nations of the free world must continue to increase their combined strength in order to ensure lasting peace and security. End quote. To the Canadian people, may I say very humbly that I approach my task with a determination to do all in my power to serve my sovereign. And in so doing, I know I shall be serving Canada. After his installation in Ottawa as Governor General of Canada, the first Canadian to hold the office, Mr. Vincent Massey donned his uniform. As the Queen's representative, he was about to open Parliament, the first ceremony to be performed after assuming the high office until recently held by Lord Alexander. Pray be seated. Veuillez-vous asseoir. Members of the House of Commons, you will be asked to make provision for all essential services and for national defence and the meeting of our obligations under the United Nations Charter and the North Atlantic Treaty for the next, next fiscal year. Honourable members of the Senate, members of the House of Commons, may divine providence bless your deliberations. The first months of Massey's time as Governor-General were quiet due to the 16-week period of mourning after the King's death. When Queen Elizabeth II was coronated on June 2, 1953, Massey issued silver spoons to all Canadian children born on that day. While there was criticism of appointing Massey, he would actually work to alleviate those fears of moving away from the crown. He would say at one point, quote, The crown seems to have a universal appeal. Even foreign-born Canadians sense its symbolism of affection, authority, and freedom. We are not moving away from the crown. We are moving closer, end quote. I am glad of the opportunity to address a few words of greeting to the people of Canada as we stand on the threshold of a new year. I have travelled widely in the last few months in all ten provinces, and I like to think that among those who will hear me may be some of the many who contributed to the pleasure and interest of my journey across our country. I am very grateful to them. No one can forecast the course of 1953. As we know well, there is much that is unpredictable in these complicated times. They call for courage and resolution. We Canadians are conscious of our waxing power and influence as a nation. We realize, too, that material strength must always be matched by a sense of responsibility. That, I know, is the mood of Canada. May I give you all my warmest, my heartfelt good wishes for your happiness in the year that lies ahead. As Governor General, Massey wanted to create a Canadian honor system, but this would not happen during his term, but it would lead to the formation of the Order of Canada. Massey would be one of the first individuals to be awarded the Order of Canada, only months before his death. In 1953, Massey created the Governor's General Awards for Architecture, and he would support the arts heavily as Governor General. He would also establish writer weekends at Rideau Hall to foster a Canadian literacy identity, and he would push for French and English to be taught in schools and for Canada to become a bilingual country. Massey would journey across Canada by train, car, and plane, 
and also by canoe and dog team when convenient modes of transportation were not available. During one trip in 1956, he would wear traditional Inuit clothing, and he attempted to catch fish through a hole dug in the ice. He would also suffer frostbite on his chin when he was out in temperatures that dipped below minus 30 degrees Celsius. He would also fly over the North Pole, the first governor general to do so, on his 10,000-mile, 17-day trip to visit the most isolated communities possible in the Canadian Arctic. At the North Pole, Massey would leave a canister that contained a square of silk from the Governor General Standard. The Montreal Star stated, quote, This was a pretty broad hint to everyone, whoever gets up around the pole, but eventually to the comrades who have been busiest of all not so very far on the opposite side of the strange international no-nations land, which is the polar scape, that Canada has a very vital interest, economically, politically, militarily, in the polar regions, end quote. On May 6, 1954, Massey was made an honorary member of the Ottawa Press Club, where he was admitted as a writer and not the Queen's representative in Canada. Massey had written the book on being Canadian, of which I will take a quote of at the end of this episode. Throughout his time as Governor-General, Massey was well-liked by Canadians. Our Royal Commission secretary admired him so much, she named one of her kittens Vincent Massey. A few weeks later, that kitten was given to a young girl named Susie. Susie then went to a movie theater and began laughing at a newsreel when she heard the name Vincent Massey, believing it to be a cat's name. Ontario and the visit of Canada's Governor-General, Mr. Vincent Massey, to the Six Nations of Red Indians, that is. First, he paid tribute to those who fell in two world wars. Then he was invested as Honorary Chief Counselor of the Tribes, and a special dance followed in honour of Big Chief Massey. Outside of Canada, he was also widely respected. The Jewish National and Hebrew University Library in Jerusalem would open with the name Vincent Massey Hall. Mrs. William Riven, her first name is not given, would state, quote, It is wonderful to think that every person entering the building will visit the Vincent Massey Hall and realize the close tie between our two countries, end quote. As Governor General, he would continue to have his taste for the finer things that came from his admiration of British culture. His favorite dish was said to be a pheasant hash cooked in a puree of chestnuts, eggs, and truffles. On July 1, 1958, Massey inaugurated the first national televised broadcast for the CBC. Over his time as Governor-General, Massey would also welcome Queen Elizabeth II and Prince Philip to Canada on three royal visits. He would also host many leaders including U.S. President Dwight Eisenhower in 1953. One year later, on May 4, 1954, Massey addressed a joint session of Congress in Washington, D.C., where he would speak to Congress on the importance of the friendship between the United States and Canada. In our collaboration, we may not always agree on every detail of the plans we must discuss together, but there is no difference between us on the fundamental aims which we pursue. We may differ now and then on the hows, but never on the whys. You may depend upon us as faithful friends and comrades. Massey would serve as Governor General with two Prime Ministers, Louis Saint Laurent and John Diefenbaker, both of whom extended his term as the Vice Regal. The Montreal Star reported, quote, 
The Prime Minister said that the extension constitutes recognition of the outstanding manner in which Mr. Massey, the first Canadian-born Governor-General, has carried out his duties. End quote. Massey would travel nearly every year during his time as Governor-General, but a kidney infection would force him to cancel plans for a trip around Canada before he left the post of Governor-General. Over his seven years in the post, he was rarely laid up by illness, only once having to cancel a New Year's Day event due to a fever. Before leaving his post, he would say, quote, I feel deeply that Canada's national consciousness is more powerful than it's ever been. We have been more self-reliant. We have greater pride in our country. We shall maintain our identity as long as we remain loyal to our traditions and keep doing things our way, end quote. Finally, he would retire on September 15, 1959, and move to Batterwood House. As he prepared to leave office, many who criticized his posting as Governor-General as a liberal move away from Great Britain would admit that he turned out to be skilled in his role as the Vice-Regal. The Ottawa citizen wrote, quote, Mr. Massey was thought by many to be an egghead, withdrawn and introverted. Few realized the broad reach of his interests, his open-handedness, or his ready wit. The criticism evaporated in the face of Mr. Massey's determination to make the office of Governor-General a visible, living link with the Crown. He did it by travelling to all corners of this broad land, turning up in remote places no Governor-General before him had perhaps even contemplated visitors. End quote. Due to the fact that Massey opened the doors of Rideau Hall to the public, the number of people who visited the Vice-Regal home numbered 85,000 over the course of seven years, twice as many as visited the home in the previous 14 years before Massey. The Ottawa Journal would write, quote, He was the one who swept the cobwebs out of the old Rideau Hall and let in the sunlight and laughter. No longer was it the exclusive ceremonial place of entertainment for the social elite, the wealthy, and the powerful for Vincent Massey opened its doors to just about everyone. Queens and presidents, as always, came to call, but so did the less privileged from the boys' club and the lonely little people from the shelters for homeless children. For his service to the Crown, Massey was awarded the Royal Victorian Chain, becoming only the second commoner and the first Canadian to ever receive the honour. To date, only two Canadians, Massey and Roland Missioner, have actually received this honour. Queen Elizabeth II wrote to Massey, quote, I wish to send you my congratulations and my sincere thanks for the manner in which you have discharged your duties. I know that as my personal representative, you have always sought to maintain the right relationship between the Crown and the people of Canada. End quote. Massey would live a quiet life in retirement and he would pass away on December 30th, 1967, only one day before Canada's centennial year ended. The Queen would say in a statement, quote, His many services to his country and to his sovereign will long be remembered. My husband joins me in sending our sincere sympathy to you and the Canadian government and people in this great loss. End quote. Former Prime Minister Louis Saint Laurent would state, quote, Mr. Massey was a public officer who gave a great service to the Canadian people. All the Canadian people realize, as I do, that our three Canadian governors general and never surpassed by those who came before them. End quote. Across the country, flags were put at half-mast to honour Massey, and his body would lie in state. His funeral was also broadcast live on CBC Radio and Television. Today, Massey College is named for him, as are the Massey Lectures. Mount Massey is named for him, as are several parks and buildings throughout Canada, and a total of 23 schools are named for Massey.
And I will end this episode with what Massey said in On Being Canadian. He said, quote, I believe in Canada with pride in her past, belief in her present, and faith in her future. End quote. I hope you enjoyed that episode of my look at Vincent Massey. Next week, we're looking at Georges Vanier. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash canadaehx. And you can donate to the podcast by going to canadaehx.com and clicking donate. And I also want to thank all of my wonderful patrons. And I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Tom McMillan, Mike Sullivan, Wendy Mills, Keelan Prignitz, Michael Matthews, Joanna Parker, Jeff Dahl, Vobbs, Robert Page, Richard T., Colin Johnson, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nixon Ree, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Rois, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Information from Canadian Encyclopedia, Maclean's Library and Archives Canada, Wikipedia, Kingston British Whig, Ottawa Citizen, Calgary Herald, Sioux Daily Star, Ottawa Journal, The Montreal Star, and The Windsor Star. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. <laughs> and Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone. Like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.